Hey, what's up out there? This is Japan Nick of Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. Tonight we got in store for you guys Paradolia from New York City. Now, each of you guys, can you introduce yourselves, tell me your name, and the position you play in the band? Uh, the end. I'll go first. Sure. Um, I'm Chandler Mogul, singer. Steve Dudane, guitar. Ryan Bertone, drums. And I'm Jam Caldwell, bass. Awesome. Now, when did each of you guys pick up your first instrument? Oh, man. Uh, I guess for me, I guess it's considered late, maybe 14. Started with guitar. Just we were fortunate that yeah. my high school even had a guitar program. And uh, I just picked up a Jimi Hendrix album, and then that was it for me. Mm. So I've been playing ever since. Yeah, for me, um, I started playing music in a kind of a strange way. I was up in Canada for a hockey camp, actually. Wow. Uh, when I was young, I was really into hockey. Mm. And uh, I was up in Canada and um, was staying with a friend of the family. And um, pretty much they had one room with a drum set and a bed in there. So as soon as I saw that drum set, I'm like, first of all, I'm staying in that room where the bed is. And I'm going to play those drums as much as I can. Mm. So just kind of been what I've been doing ever since. Yeah, I probably started around, like, middle school, and, like, I didn't even intend to start playing music. I just had a good friend who was, like, one of my best buddies that played guitar and said, hey, dude, you should do this, so we have something to do together. And I was like, all right, cool. So I uh, started playing pretty much ever since then. But, of course, I always started as a bassist, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I didn't start singing until I was about 22, so maybe about 15 years now, about 10 years professionally. Um and, uh, yeah, once I started doing it, just never looked back. All right, and uh, this one's from me, by the way, for anyone listening. I'm Roldan. I usually uh, am uh, on the Prague Power Station Monday nights from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Little plug, just to put that out there. But uh, my first question, and this is probably going to be the most important question you're going to hear all night. How often do any of you actually experience or suffer from pareidolia? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> That's one for Steve. <laughs> for me, the name was his idea. Well, actually, a jam and I kind of decide on this, but I think it's something that we all experience, right? I mean, I think you kind of people, a lot of people don't even know what the band name really means. It's not a made-up word, but uh, I think jam is better at explaining it than I am. But I think it's something that we all experience. So when we tell people what the actual band name itself means, they say, "Oh." I guess I have experienced that quite often, and I didn't really realize that. So uh, I guess, Jim, if you want to kind of give them a little spoiler. Yeah, so, like, you know, our, our band has a very unique name, and what pareidolia actually is, is this is sort of the technical definition. It's a psychological sort of phenomenon where your brain makes up meaning where it sees something random. So, like, an example of this is, like, seeing Jesus on a piece of toast, or like, you know, it's like the inkblot test is like people say, oh, it looks like this. And what it ends up doing is it tells you more about the person that's interpreting it than it does, uh, you know, what the actual object is. And, you know, music in many ways sort of has the same effect on people. And that's kind of one of our overarching sort of themes in our album and some of our music, too, is it's, you know, it's more about the listener than it is the uh, musician. Exactly. Now, can you tell me about uh, one of your songs I'm going to pick uh, Betrayed Within to start off. Okay. Yeah, so kind of going along with what JM said about this sort of like visual phenomenon, like I wanted the music to sort of uh, 
almost conjure up some of these images in a way. So a lot of the songwriting in the band starts with almost um, like an instrumental like backing track in a way, like almost like a karaoke track. And sort of with that song, we decided that was going to be our single. It sort of fit the format of what I think a single should be, but it had a lot of these elements in it. So in the the song title itself, it gives you that sense uh, of, of what's going to happen. So the music has to, to fit that. And uh, so I wanted there to be like in the beginning, like this sort of sense. I guess maybe some of the listeners will, will hear it for themselves, but... Um, like the beginning is like very haunting, has sort of like an uneasy sense about it. the music video is very haunting. Um, it's sort of like something's wrong, like you can feel something's wrong and it sort of builds on that a little bit. So we wanted that to elicit sort of like a that sort of image. But then when I give the backing track to Chandler, he doesn't really know maybe what my intention with the song was. Yeah. And it's sort of he has his own ideas that he comes up with when he's writing them. So... I don't give him any directions to, hey, do this. I want it to be about this. But it's funny how he sort of manages to get that um, original intention. That, that, that original intention have, just yeah. from the music itself without any sort of like that's, preconceived uh, notion to that's it. chemistry right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this one's a little bit of an extension to that. So uh, the name of your debut is uh, Denied Truths and uh, is um, considering the concept that pareidolia is essentially like a visual lie. Uh I think that's pretty creative, but uh, some of these songs seem to have like a little bit of a socio-political context to them. Uh, does the album reflect the album title? Uh, reflect that too in any way? I think um, the original title "Denied Truths" was actually a, a working title for a demo of uh, "Leave Me Alive," which is our second track. And uh, I wrote that around the time that um, the like the Armenian Genocide Memorial uh, was taking place. So if you listen to the media clippings in there. Um, you'll kind of see a lot where those are taken from. Um, and um, it, you won't get it on the first listen or second or even third probably, but it's it's definitely in there. So I think like for listeners in general, I think when they hear the record, they'll see there's a lot of that sort of stuff in there. And Chandler's like lyrics are very sort of like layered in that way that you can't really maybe get it on the first pass, but that's why when people get the album, we have the booklet with the lyrics and they can really sit and like read through everything and they can actually get kind of all the meaning that's that's going on behind it. So I've always cool. liked doing that with albums. I used to like, uh, you know, reading along with the, you know, and find out what the singer was saying and find out what the lyrics meant before I became a singer or musician. That would be that was what connected with me. Like, I'd, well, you know, I didn't know how to play guitar, piano, bass, drums, or whatever, so let me just connect with what he's saying, you know? And I think that's what a lot of people do if they're musicians or not. Right. want to collect, connect with the, the lyrics. You know? And on that note, let me start the show, and let's get into Betrayed Within in a minute. Here we go. Yoshi, um, drummer and pianist from Japan. They're listening to Japanic rock and metal harmonia. This is Dax Riggs. Are you listening and maybe looking at things while you're listening to Japan Nick's rock and metal pandemonium. I don't even know what's going on. This is Meshack Attack from Mangled Corpse, Maniac, and Demon Spell. This is Rat Skates of Overkill. You're listening to Japan Nick's rock and metal pandemonium on WMSC 90.3 FM. Hi, I'm Frank, bass player of Tankard. And I'm Gareth, the singer of Tankard. And you're listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. Stay heavy, guys. 
This is Mike Scotia from Ministry and Rigor Mortis.
You're listening to WMSC 90.3 with Japan Nick, and we have Paradolia in the studio tonight. Now, dudes, whoop, whoop. I noticed uh, some months back you got a shout-out from Jason Becker. Tell me a bit about how that happened. So I think pretty much everyone in the band listens to Jason or has listened to him at some point. Yeah, but I, we love Jason. He's, I mean, he's the man. But like, uh, he's someone who was like my biggest influence, I think, growing up. And I've just always been in contact with him since I was like younger. And um, he's very accessible, uh, at least I've, in my experience. And um, he's coming out with a new record. And the funny thing is, is like, we, I think we can all speak from experience when we say like putting together an album is hard, period. It's, it's very um, time consuming and it involves everybody. But um, when you have certain limitations, like Jason has ALS, you've, you would assume that they're not making music anymore. The thing is, he's still making better music than most, you know, able-bodied uh, people. So he's coming out with this new record, and it was around that time when um, uh, there were talks that I may do some classical guitar work for his record, but um, we were just talking about it, and um, so I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but at least um, he definitely uh, was saw some of my videos, and he shared one of them. And uh, it wasn't even of me playing a Jason song, but it was just, I guess, a song that he had liked and um yeah they he just put that out and it was um he was crowdfunding for his uh, i think maybe kickstarter for his uh record so it was just kind of like promoting it in support of that and um it was cool though i mean any shout out from someone like that i mean he's yeah. legendary so it was very cool yeah i think that was the uh winery dogs Winery it was, it was, yeah, it was winery exactly yeah. yeah and you know he knows all those guys they, they all know <laughs> jason you know everyone knows yeah, jason yeah, yeah. so yeah, it was it was cool it was very cool to, especially someone you look up to and they give you a shout it means it means a lot it's always nice to get one, period, but when you yeah. get one from someone like that, it's very cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, if you get it from, like, your heroes, though, that's it. Like, I mean, my biggest, like, my favorite band of all time is Rigor Mortis from Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. And it's just, like, I ended up actually flying out to Texas once to actually check out their concert. And it's just, like, got to interview all those guys. And it's just, I mean, the coolest thing in the world is just being able to, like, I don't know, like, have some interaction with these people mm -hmm. that you really like hold up to as like wow like these people really left a mark on music that should be remembered yeah it's like check that off the bucket list you know yeah. you got to do that it's pretty cool so. like anthony who's like your favorite band or who got you like in love with heavy metal and things like that well it, it's it's kind of a long story so i'm just going to bore the hell out of everyone listening <laughs> to do that but uh <laughs> I, I honestly don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I, I don't have an answer. Like, I legitimately don't have an answer. Like, maybe I'd say Dream Theater, but aside from it's that, good. like, I, I don't, I, I can't really, like, uh, John Myung made me stop playing bass after a year. That's that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you think, um, is it possible, like, for you to actually get maybe some guitar work on Jason Becker's album or is that maybe not possible at this point in time it depends what he writes so I yeah. talked to him about it and I said you know it's, he he's seen me like videos of me playing classical guitar and which is something that I don't do a whole lot of on this record um, but um, you know he said if I if I happen to write the parts you know because he has Chris Broderick playing classical guitar parts yeah. now and he's also a fantastic uh, classical player a lot of people don't know um, but uh, but he said if I write the parts and I get one, I'll send it to you. So it just depends what he writes, and if it doesn't happen, it's 
you know, any little thing coming from him means a lot. So yeah. it's whatever, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. So what was the guitar world story like that you got involved with? Oh, that was just, um, so I, I endorse uh, DR strings, uh, right now. And, um, so we actually did a, I did a video shoot for them just promoting the band. And, um, we played a couple of tracks of ours. We did uh, Light of the Angels. We did Redeemed, which are some of our favorite tracks. And um, I was just at a, a video shoot for them. And um, Mark Nunez, who does the videos for Guitar World, he happened to be um, the one doing the videos for that. And so um, he pulled me aside and, and he was like, yeah, I think you'd be really good for like these Guitar World uh, videos. So one thing led to another and eventually he said, why don't you come down to the headquarters? We'll shoot some videos and then uh, we'll see how it goes. So it was very successful. We did the like, bet you can't play this series. So it's basically like a contest for guitar, <laughs> right, yeah, for, for guitar players. And um, so I just, it's after 10. It's after yeah. 10. Yeah. Just keep just, I'm Imagine. just checking, just, just checking. So, um, so pretty much like that's what it is for guitar players. But like growing up, I did, I do have Jason's, on my uh uh column from the original magazine on my wall like paul gilbert steve Vai, all those guys they, they all do them so it's sort of like a rite of passage for guitar players to do one so i was like really like honored to even get to do one yeah. so i spent like weeks coming up with different things that i think would challenge some players and then we shot the video they did articles about it and it was very cool so we're doing more content in this year um probably next few months we'll probably shoot more videos for that and We'll just see. I'll have to try and stump more of the uh, fan base, mm -hmm. but we'll see what we can come up with. And the YouTube commenters. And, and, and yeah. the YouTube trolls. They're very, well, yeah. Lots of really good talent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, you guys also uh, played the um, Guitar Gods Festival in Miami last year. Uh, tell us about a little bit of uh, your initial reaction from uh, being able to open for the likes of Ingve and Steve Vai. Yeah, Yingve and uh, Steve Vai, obviously, two um, huge influences on uh, on us. And so um, when we got asked to play it, we were obviously really stoked on it. So um, it happened really quick. It was, what was it, only like within a week that they announced it to us? Yeah. So we had to get like a flight real quick, get on down there. And um, it was my first time being in Miami. That's where it was, in North Beach. And uh, we just had a great time. We got to play this really nice stage in front of a lot of people. Um uh, Nico, Nico McBrain actually was running the back. Actually, he uh, showed up in his pajamas. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like, not even kidding, like a white shirt and like pajamas with like, I don't know, they might have been Simpsons characters on it or yeah. something yeah. like that. Wow. Such a nice guy. <laughs> Such a nice guy. You know what I mean? Um, you know, not rock star like whatsoever. I, you know, I was able to talk to him about some drumming and he gave me some pointers. You know, obviously told him he's a huge influence on me. You know, stuff with Power Slave obviously influenced my drumming and um took a picture of him too just just a real nice guy and a very good experience for sure uh did he tell you anything about Noah double bass drum <laughs> no he didn't but um he did say he actually enjoyed my playing which um probably is the greatest compliment i've gotten from uh, any musician at this point so um definitely forever grateful that he said that and that he li actually liked our songs it yeah. was it was pretty cool because um we're playing this song and um he's literally like five feet away you know in, in his pajamas with his arms folded so we're just like you know we're rocking out on stage and he's just kind of standing there 
And, uh, you know, you don't know what was going through their head. So after the song, he, he wanted to take a picture with us. And I was like, no, no, this, this is the other way around. Like, we, we should take a picture with you. <laughs> you know, like, we're not anyone can compare to them. So, but it was cool. He really enjoyed the song. And uh, he, he liked Ch- loved Chandler's singing. And he liked the instrumental behind it. Um, so it was a very, very cool experience. If yeah, no, it was great. Um, I don't know what else to say that you haven't said already. But um, it was a cool, that was really our first show, actually, too. I think and that uh, there's you know, something to be said for having your first yeah. show <laughs> opening for, like, Yngwie Malmsteen. Yngwie and Steve Vai, yeah. yeah. And we, uh, we got to see uh, Gus G was playing down there. He's a friend of mine. And um, like he killed it down there, too. Guys from Ozzy's band, Rudy yeah. Sarzo, was down yeah. there. And uh, so it was like, normally your first show should be at a bar. But nah. it was actually, it, w- it was a really, really nice venue, outdoor venue. So you could hear Yngwie. So th- one of the funny things <laughs> is that when we're at the sound check, Yngwie kicks everyone out. But the thing is, he has like nine Marshall full stacks there, and you can hear it three blocks down the street. But we were not allowed to be in the actual venue itself. But it was um, it was really fun because you know the weather there was really nice out, fun to be outside. Plus, you know you're playing, and everyone was there having a good time. The place was packed, and it was it was great. You couldn't ask for anything more for like a band, especially for your first show uh, as a band. You know, it was great. <laughs> it was funny how um, how we were there were. Uh, 10 entrants, 10 contestants or whatever that, that, that were able to play. And the other nine were just solo guitar players. They had didn't have a band. They were playing the backing tracks. And we were the only uh, group that we were the only band there. And despite all the, the crazy stuff that was going on, there was a little bit of disorganization going on behind the scenes. And um, it wasn't the most organized event, you know, at the foot of it. But um, we were the only ones that ended up forcing our way on stage to get a sound check before the the 10 of us played and then the other guys didn't end up getting a sound check and uh it proved to be catastrophic for some some of them but for us it ended up being uh m- much much good spent time and and uh we 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 really killed it yeah that's what happens you're from new jersey you know you just, you just you, you gotta yeah, get what you want you gotta you want just it. force your way on and just make it happen you know but um another cool little story about when you're saying we went on stage for the sound check um when we forced our way up there uh uva <laughs> And Steve and I were still up there, right. sound checking together. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, yeah. right. And so we, they were, we were sound was, checking I on was, stage while they were up there too. I was check. scared out of my mind because <laughs> the last thing I need is Yngwie to look at me and be like, "Get off this stage now." Yeah, you know what I mean. And but the hey, cool thing was, at least you got a story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the happens. cool thing about it was they were sound checking and they were trying to kind of like outdo each other yeah so like you know steve i would get this nice little guitar fill going on and then ying is like oh yeah watch this and then he like you know put the guitar behind his head and like spin it around or what i'm pretty sure that's something crazy. that would cause a hole to rip in the universe yeah yeah, yeah. No in, the, in the space-time continuum there's just like a rift now but it was funny because um during that sound check literally all the other bands were scared out of their minds to even go on stage because ingve and steve i are on yeah. stage but you know, we spent a lot of time, a lot of money, effort getting down there. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm not going to at least get a sound check. And I'm glad we did because one of the Marshall heads that we were supposed to use was not working. Yeah. And um, so I, my thing wasn't working. And I'm like, I can't get a <laughs> sound out of this thing. So I figured maybe it was my cable. And so I'm going nuts. I was like, no, maybe it's my pickups. What if it's my guitar? Like, I mean, like every like possible thing, you know, and I have like passive pickups. Like, why would it not work? But um, so um, – so Steve Vai's guitar tech is Thomas Nordegg, who's like legendary, right? He's like probably one of the most mm-hmm. famous like guitar techs that's out. And um, so I looked at him and I'm like, it's not working. And he's like, 
He's like, you must come with me. So he pulls me to the side <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, it's that cable. And he like, and he, and he takes the cable. So he brings me, um, he's like, we must use that seven string. And he, and he's like taking, he took Steve Vai's thing off of the, of his rack guitar. And, uh, yeah. guitar and he's DVD like, and he's like, we might be able to use this. And I'm like, no, no, you're going to get fired. You can't, don't touch that. You know, you can't, <laughs> you can't touch like his guitar. So you he, must use the force. Yeah. So he, he like takes my guitar apart. He's like looking at all the pots. He's checking everything. And it turned out that it was just the, the amp itself. Cause it was rented right. from SIR the head and huh. that thing seemed like world war two so so we Three at that point right yeah that, that point yeah with this, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah with all the arpeggios you know? and um so eventually we got it fixed which was good because all the other bands benefited then because otherwise someone was going to go on before us because we we're the last band to play or last act to play and they would have not had an amp working so it worked out for everyone if everything yeah. we did worked out we just marched on there and took charge it's hell of a time yeah <laughs> good times yeah I believe you guys have a DVD that you're working on. How is this coming along? Um, I just had a, <laughs> I know I have an instructional DVD I was working on with Guitar World, but it was mainly going to be for like classical guitar, like finger picking style guitar, which like I said, I didn't really get to do a whole lot of on this record, but I've been working on new material and I've been trying to incorporate a little bit more of that in there. But um, we do have like video footage from the actual show, which was a lot of fun, but um in terms of that, yeah, that was mainly just for guitar only. We're trying to put that out maybe sometime this year, maybe next year. We don't have a date for it, but I do know like at least some of the content video-wise will be up later this year. What's going on, guys? Joey Valdez here, and I want you guys to join me on the power trip as I delve into the best in pop culture, music, news, and, of course, sports. So make sure to join me Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. as I shift from the morning buzz all the way to the power trip on 90.3 WMSC. Now, guys, tell me about your song, Lie to, the, Lie to Angels. Lie to the Angels? Yes. Um, that's just a uh, song that ended up sounding a little bit like Dokken, I guess. I don't know. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, well, actually... Like the good era Dokken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's funny you ask about that. That's probably, um, that's probably one of my least favorite songs on the record. It's a great song, but... Um, <laughs> nice way to promote the album, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's just a tune that um, it just came together with some cool lyrics and some cool ideas. You know, Steve had a cool riff, and he sent me, like Steve said earlier, a lot of the songs were born um, out of him sending me a track, an instrumental track, which which catered to a vocal melody being present, present, which was not yet written at the time, and which I, my job was to to come up with. And um, that one uh, just basically, um, I had this, uh, I had this cool melody for the chorus, and it was kind of unconventional, you know, into the dark, da -na 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 something. And um, I didn't know if it was gonna work, so I went in the studio and tried it out. I'm like, this could be a 50-50. I'm not really quite sure if this is gonna gonna work. It could work, it could not. But then we did it, and it worked. And um, I think just because of some mixing and production issues or whatever, the song ended up having a little bit of a different um, sound than some of the other songs on the record. Maybe not to the casual average ear, but um, the song the song ended up sounding a little different. I think just because of um, some mixing stuff. But uh, uh, overall, um, it, it's still a very cool song. Yeah. All right, yeah. here we go.
Now, Anthony, tell us about those songs that you recommended. Uh, yeah, the the first one I played earlier was uh, Fate's Warning with Silent Cry from their uh, 1988 No Exit album. And then the track I just played right now was uh, from Mercenary from their 2006 album, uh, The Hours That Remain. That was the This Eternal Instant. That's awesome. Now, guys, next question, I guess. How did you get onto uh, the Brave Words uh, site? That was a um, uh, good friend of mine who's worked with, uh, uh, done some other, uh, done PR for some other projects uh, that I've done. Um, he, uh, his name's Chip Ruggieri, very, very, uh, pretty well-known uh, PR guy in the on the East Coast, and been doing it since the, the '80s. Um, he, uh, we hooked up with him. Um, I called him up, and um, he did a PR campaign for our record, and you know. Uh, uh, Along with the Brave Words site, we know we've been on Ultimate Classic Rock and um, a bunch of other uh, had a bunch of other reviews, interviews, and um, good press for the record. And, you know, in the wake of uh, I guess the bulk of it was uh, last year, and um, yeah, it's it's basically a standard kind of uh, thing. When you do a record, you gotta have a you gotta have uh, some push behind it. Definitely. Now, for Rolling Stone, what was that experience like? So that was actually the first outlet that ever sponsored our music that had our music on it um which was also really funny because uh i think most bands too like especially new bands don't ever get on there especially progressive or rock or metal bands you seem to jump a lot of steps it seems we yeah yeah, and, yeah uh, we did yeah. guitar there, gods yeah yeah skip all just, the early stuff yeah we yeah. just we don't really have a whole lot of time to waste so we just were like yeah. let's just go, go from, for the goal shoot for the moon you land in the stars that's so, what you do so what happened was um in order to get on there it was um almost the same thing with guitar gods is that there was like a, you know everyone wants to get on that ticket right and a lot of people want to get on the website um but like many many bands and guitar players had submitted content to them as part of this like next young gun next young gun competition and Dario sponsored that as well and they were looking for like the best sort of unsigned guitar players uh, pretty much um just for us only um so I was one of I was fortunate enough to be one of the finalists in that and um our track Redeemed was on there so people got to hear our music for the very first time on a really cool platform like Diadario pushed it on their Facebook, Instagram, um Rolling Stone had it on their website for you know several months and it was a really cool thing where it's sort of like oh like well where can we check out m- your music and I'm like oh yeah go to rollingstone.com it's a uh, it's on there somewhere <laughs> so it was it was a very very uh uh i guess unique thing that we even got to be on there because you don't if you were to go on their page now it's a lot of it is pop sort of gossipy like almost like music that's going on folk yeah it's totally not our style of music but it is an enormous probably the biggest media out or music outlet that there is and um so that was strange but it was also a very unique experience to get that like after rolling stone what is it like the next thing you really want to grab like into your roster of accomplishments i guess well we're still um you know it's nice when you get those but we're still a very far away from what we want to reach which is just i guess a lot of the people within our genre uh, of music so it's it's nice to get the shout out, but we're always looking to reach as many people as possible. So that could be in the form of playing shows, 
could be in the form of um, getting continual coverage on what we are planning to do. I mean, even being with you guys tonight, this is great. So social uh, media, social media. It's it, the game. I think has changed. I think for music in general, where getting the word out on your band is easier in the sense that we're all connected, we're all on the grid. But at the same time, it's harder because so many more people have access to that. It's flooded. It's competition. <clears throat> yeah, competition yeah. is very flooded and saturated. So you have to really be bringing a product that cuts through that. And if you can, it's it's very hard to get known. But we're happy with what we've been doing, and you know we still have a lot more work to do. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's just from the journalism side of it, like being a college radio broadcaster, it's there's so much competition you deal with as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean then you deal with the internet radio thing too and it's um it's it's a real real difficult task honestly just keeping your name out there in the media yeah it so almost I mean, forces you to like reinvent yourself to stay relevant in order for people to keep coming back and listening yeah and it's just i don't know do you feel like in today's market there's just so many bands that are just so similar to each other or is it that's not something you really need to deal with that much. Well, Ryan Ryan plays quite a bit, actually, with a lot of bands, so. Yeah, I'm playing quite a few shows. I play in three different type of bands. This one, Paradoli, obviously one of them. I'm playing another band, a hardcore band called Silence Equals Death, and an alternative rock band called Control. So I'm seeing uh, a bunch of different bands in a bunch of different scenes. And um, you're right, you know, a lot of it is bands copying off other bands especially in the hardcore scene there's a lot of the same type of sound going on but um there's still a bunch of there's also like there's always like one or two bands each show that you know really bring something different and there are still a lot of good bands out there especially in new jersey you know we have such a great scene here you know always like i've been playing in the new jersey scene since 2003 and just there's always been so many great bands that come from here whether it be you know census fail whether it be you know Midtown, or I, th- I think they're from New York, New Jersey. Um, you get so many great bands from around here, Coheed and Cambria, obviously. And um, it's just great to be growing up in this area, just like all the talent in New York, the greater New York City area. And, you know, we just want to keep playing, you know, more shows and getting ourselves out there so we can, you know, be one of those bands that, you know, differentiates ourselves and the other bands. Anthony, you have something to say? Uh... I, I did, but uh, actually I do. Uh, so uh, do you have any uh, live shows uh, set up in the future? Uh, not, not currently, but um, I have been talking to a few promoters. Um, it's really hard, you know, really to get us all in the same room a lot, but I definitely want us to get some shows, whether it be, you know, at Mexicali, whether it be at Dingbats. Um, I really like the studio Webster Hall. A lot of good places, and I've been able to get a lot of connections um, through playing with all the bands that I play in. So um, I've been reaching out to a few. I haven't get responses. It's just trying to click on the same day. Like we were going to play a show. I think it was the 16th. Yeah, in yeah. two weeks at Dingbats, but it got canceled. So um, we just really were, were hungry. You know, we want to play some shows. Well, we're really yeah. excited about this uh, Deny Truth sound. We don't really want people to hear it. The, the thing is, like, we do have the offers to play, and it's there. I know Chandler, too, um, has, uh, you know, a lot. he knows a lot of people as well in his network. And uh, we can play the venues when we want to, but also for us as a band, the ticket has to make sense for us to play on, too. You know, we, we, we st- Our first show was the Guitar Gods 
uh, show, so we got to go. It's got to go up. From yeah, there. exactly. Yeah, a couple more that. shows we have to <laughs> skip. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, or would you be planning because of the whole idea of Paradolia being behind the band? I'm assuming there's a big visual element. Would you? Uh, are you considering maybe a visual element to your shows in the future or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we're working on that. I mean, we're we're working on everything really. Um, um, we're working on as far as our set, our live set, and our our whole show as a whole. So that's something that you know, obviously, the band the band does lend itself to a lot of visual candy, I guess you could call it. Because we want so. the live performance to be like an experience too, because that means all the sort of things that you hear and excess in the background in the album we want to preserve that for the live show too so whether that's something as simple as like a sample or a stem we still want that being played through the speakers and through the house so we want when people see the record it's preserved as well as it can be and i think a lot of bands have a different sort of interpretation as to what the live show should be it should be, shouldn't should not be what the record is should be something totally different or maybe keep it exactly the same but there's a lot of really cool stuff on there that fills out the record that we don't want to lose either so getting the live show is that's an art in itself i think but it's we are going to be playing very soon and at least in the local new york new jersey area to start with so and we do have the venues that we can play at so people that can follow us on facebook they'll definitely see that you know we will be putting shows up in the near future would you ever want to have something where, like, you have a backdrop with, like, movies playing in the background and you have, like, certain clips picked out? Like, I know um, a band like I Love, Rigor Mortis, would have, like, certain pictures of, like, horror movies and wild scenes from those things going on. Would you think of maybe something, like, a bit more psychedelic going on in the background? I guess it depends what they're on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> depends yeah. what they see. Yeah. No. What they see, yeah. Um, exactly. But yeah. it's... You know, it, it's interesting because when you combine the visual elements sort of with the music, I think also that sort of has to make sense with the song. Like, we don't want to put something up there just for the sake of having it be, like, shiny and flashy. We want it to really add to the experience of the music. And, um, yeah. you know, I r was recently, I actually saw uh, Dream Theater at Hammerstein Ballroom uh, last year. And they have uh, quite a bit of visual sort of oh, yeah. component to their shows these days. And you'd think that, you know, their music is so full already. Um, but I, I found it very nice. I thought it was kind of a cool you know, addition. Yeah. It complemented yeah. the music very well. It sort of furthered the plot. It kind of was this the, for uh, the Astonishing, or was uh, it for the album before that? No, this uh, Steve, what album was that? That I, was for I, uh, no, it was for their. Uh, I believe it was for the, their uh, their self-titled one. Yeah. Oh, then I was actually at that show at the Hammerstein. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> so a lot of angry girlfriends there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, yeah. all three. Yeah, all three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was. It's very cool how they stepped up their game. Um, I I wasn't particularly a fan of the Astonishing album, but the live show, what the work they put into it was astonishing. It was great. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. it, it was a lot, you know. But and I think that's really cool because you know you, you spend like a lot for the ticket um and it's now you're really getting not just the performance but you're getting a whole show with it on top of the show you <laughs> you exactly. paid to it's see so like even like straight you know metal bands that usually don't go for all the pomp and circumstance of you know live performances and like uh arena shows and arena rock where they this is uh, sort of common you know now people expect more they want mixed media they want uh, you know if you're spending your evening with somebody and you're going to shell out you know 20 40 bucks for a ticket you want to get a good yeah. good show totally yeah. yeah visual i mean for a while now the visual has been just as important if not more important than the than the music itself you know be that as it may 
um, you have to you have to compete with that. 